right, today we start a brand new series that we're titling Live Generous, okay? And in my three years of being the campus pastor here at DCM, I got to be honest, I don't know that I've been a part of a community that is more generous than this community. Not just Destiny Church, but I think there's this uh, special measure of generosity that exists in the community of Marshfield and in the people of Marshfield. And so I feel uh, a lot of times I think my job is to exhort you guys to grow in your faith and to grow in your spiritual disciplines and all those things. But I feel that this community and, and you guys specifically have pressed us to be more generous and to grow in that. Y'all are hard to keep up with, just to be honest with you. So like, I, I think it was Pastor Ryan, when you were preaching, you talked about if uh, you were talking about the letters in Revelation and, and, and kind of this challenging thought of if Jesus wrote a letter about Destiny Church, how, how would he correct us? How would he encourage us? And I'm sure there'd be a lot of stuff that we need to work on. He'd be like, get rid of your pastor first thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I think that he would write that you guys are generous, you know, and uh, just the way you serve and you love. And I, I love that about our church because I think generosity is it's in the heart of God. It's so, uh, it's so close to what he values and desires to see exist in his church. And as you read through the scriptures, it's apparent that generosity is one of those characteristics Jesus really desires to see not only in his followers, but in his churches. And we even see that as we observe Paul's letters to the churches and in the ways that he exhorts them, he's constantly challenging and pressing them to grow in their generosity, to be faithful in their generosity. And so we have this list of core values out in our lobby and they're not just a bunch of cute phrases. There are things that we've taken from the scriptures that we think are close to the heart of God, of what he wants to see uh, manifesting in his body and his followers. And so one of our core values is we're generous with our y'all got it. That's it. So because we understand that we're stewards of everything we've been given right? I didn't just, just work hard. God, God's graced us in that way. He's given us time. He's given us our talents. He's given us our treasures. And so, uh, yeah, a little preacher transparency. I don't love preaching on generosity, more specifically like on financial generosity and telling all y'all, come on, give and sow into the house that you go into. Uh, but I know that if I don't, uh, much of the church will miss out on the blessing of God. Because the word is so clear that the blessing of God is activated, it's discovered, and it's found through the generosity of believers. Amen? You know, we see it in so many places, specifically in Proverbs 11. It says this, verse 24. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. That's clear as day, right? It says, the generous will prosper and those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves. There's something about following Jesus when we're connected with the kingdom, when we abide by his principles, when we give with a cheerful heart, when we live generous lives, it leads us into the blessing of God, right? And he says, you can be generous because I have abundant resource and I'm your supplier. So you can give in confidence that I'm going to give you what you need. I've liberated you to be generous. And so as believers, we should be some of the most generous people that the world has ever seen. And even more than that, 
the most important thing is, is that the gospel is the greatest demonstration of generosity the, word, the world will ever experience and the world will ever encounter and the world will ever see, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, okay? You and me, we're filthy rags. I know that's not an encouraging thought to start the morning, but it's, his, but it's not like we had this incredible performance where we achieved this salvation and we were good enough to get it. And it's like, that just doesn't exist. That's why the cross exists, because we have a God that loves us so much. He says, hey, even though you can't give me in return what I'm giving you, I'll give you everything. Amen? So now he says, if you just believe in me, I'll cover your sin. I'll give you new life. I'll put my spirit in you. Philippians says this in chapter two, though he was God, talking about Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Wow. Instead, he gave, everyone say gave. gave. He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Generosity needs to exist in the life of the believers because that's what the Spirit of God is going to lead us into. But our God is generous. It's his character. And so if we're becoming more and more like Jesus, if he's taking us from glory to glory, we're going to become more generous as we grow in our spiritual maturity. Okay, it's going to manifest. Our God is the author and, and very example of generosity. He, he's called us as believers in his church to emulate in our own lives the generosity that exists in him. So God gives clear instruction. He deeply cares how we steward our time because he's given it to us. So he gives us instruction. Here's how I want you to spend your time. Here's my will for your life. He cares how we steward our talents. He cares what we do with our gifts because he's given them to us. And he cares how we steward our treasure and our finances because he's made way for us to have those things and to receive those things. So we'll take the, the month of November to learn and grow and ultimately become more like Jesus by growing in our stewardship and growing in our generosity. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. You are so good. What an honor and privilege it is to be in your house uh, specifically for me to have the honor and privilege of communicating your word. I pray for an anointing that this time would be powerful and effective. I pray you would till the soil of the hearts of every uh, heart that's under my voice, that you would till the soil, be it, let it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word and let that seed grow to produce fruit in our lives. We don't just want to hear your word. We want to do your word. We want to live it out. And we pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've talked a lot about Paul around here. Paul is a biblical character. Uh, he's a man that experienced a radical transformation in Jesus after a radical encounter with Jesus. And so Paul would go around, uh, he was a missionary in the New Testament who would go around planning different churches and investing. We see him go into Ephesus in Acts 19, and he spends three years there, and he develops and cultivates elders and teaches the word and goes in the temple and converts Jews, and he converts Gentiles, and uh, he's an apostle named by Jesus. And so he goes around and he plants these churches, and then as he's traveling, he doesn't have phones, he doesn't have emails 
email. So he writes letters to help sort of uh, correct them and encourage them, exhort them, shape them and mold them. He's an overseer for a lot of these churches. And so much of the New Testament that we read is actually just some of these letters that he's written to the churches on uh, what they can do better or what they're doing well. Or, and it's all based around what is God's will for the body? What does Jesus exist to see in his church? And, and so the spirit of God through Paul is authoring these letters and, and trying to shape and mold the church. So in 2 Corinthians, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And the reason he has to write this letter is because he's written his first one, 1 Corinthians. And that's about order in the church. And things have been a little chaotic. Corinth is a little sinful. Uh, so he writes to help bring order and, and clarity on uh, what worship is supposed to look like. But while in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, you have to remember Paul's been in shipwrecks. He's been arrested. Uh, Paul is not uh, a handsome man. He is not eloquent by any means. Uh, at least that, that's what some of the scriptures say. And so uh, there's some super apostles that come around. At least that's what the scriptures call them. And these guys, these teachers that come in after Paul, uh, you know, they got cool Jordans on and they uh, ha have, uh, they wear mink jackets and they look cool and they talk elegant and they sound good. And it really looks like materially, if that's a word, materialistically, that, that they have the blessing of God on their life. And so they're torn. They're like, man, Paul kind of looks like a homeless guy, to be honest with you. And then he got these dudes over here, and, and, and these teachings seem different. And so they're drawn to the super apostles who have these false teachings, and, and it's distorting Paul's message and God's true will for the church. And so Paul writes this second letter um, that's, that basically is like, you know, they're like... Paul's basically saying, listen, it's, it's, not about, it's not about status. Paul, Paul's like, I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to give you my credits. He's like, look at your lives. The church only exists because of what God's done through me. And your lives are testament to the effectiveness of my ministry. Your lives are letters written by the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. He goes, it, it doesn't matter about me. I've remained faithful to the one that really matters. That's Jesus, right? So this, this second letter, he's just clarifying some things and kind of defending himself, but not really. And, uh, but in chapters 8 and 9, he gives some instruction to the church of what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to live, and it's all related to their generosity, okay? So in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul brings up the collection for Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the Jews exist. Most of the churches that Paul has planted are Gentile churches, and so we know that there's been tension between the Jews and the Gentiles, but the gospel unifies those two groups of people, okay? So Paul uh, starts a, a missions project, 
where every church that he's planted, when he visits them, he takes up or he sends out one of his sons in the faith. They take up a collection for Jerusalem and they bring finances to the Jews in Jerusalem because they're experiencing famine and they're experiencing persecution. And so not only is this uh, benefiting them physically, but it also demonstrates the unity that Christ has made available between Gentiles and Jews. Paul's convicted to start this ministry. This is what he does. He takes up the collection. And when they first started, Corinth was one of the most excited about this collection. They're like, let's do it. We love it. Yeah, we're going to give everything. Like, we love this idea, Paul. This is great. So they start fired up, and then a year goes by, and their enthusiasm seems to fizzle out to the point where Paul's not even totally sure if they're willing to give anymore, if they're engaging in their giving, if they've remembered the commitment they've made to this Jerusalem collection. So Paul's writing, and he's specifically talking about that collection. Does that help everybody before we get into it? Okay, 2 Corinthians 8, it says this, starting in verse 1. I'm going to go through 13 verses today. He says this, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Okay, so that's Philippi, some of the other church letters that we see Paul write to. So Paul says, he's writing to Corinth. He's like, I want to tell you a little bit about the other churches in Macedonia. What, what's going on with them? He says, they are being tested by many, by many troubles. And they are very poor. Okay, they're, they're, they're experiencing harsh times. These other churches are not in good shape. They don't have funds. They need new rugs in their building. They can't, they can't get them. They got old speakers that are crusty and breaking. They don't, they, don't have, they don't have what they need, okay? Not that we necessarily need those things, but just to have some fun. Everyone quit judging me. Here we go, back, back to the text. <laughs> he says, so even though they're broke, even though they're going through trouble, even though there's violence in the streets, even though it's hard times and harsh times, he says, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed into rich generosity. Wow. The churches in Macedonia are broke, experiencing hardship. Their refrigerators break, and they don't have the means to fix them. Their weeks are, uh, they, they, they can't afford to eat anything but ramen noodle soup. Zach Cliff's okay with that, though. Talking about that earlier this morning. There's gun violence in the street. There's huge amount of homelessness. I don't know if all that's necessarily true, but Paul is so clear. The people of Macedonia are experiencing oppression, and they're poor. And I read these first two verses, and immediately uh, uh, I think of Jesus discussing the, the widow who's in the temple. So I want to just step out of our letter in Corinthians. I want to go to the Gospel of Luke really quick and just observe this uh, little tidbit from Jesus. In Luke 21, verse 1, he says, While Jesus was in the temple... He watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. So they come into the temple, and the rich people drop their goodies off. And he says, then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I'll tell you the truth, Jesus said. This poor widow has given more than the rest of all of them. Now, that's crazy because that's not true. They, the, the, these, these rich people coming in, they probably laid down a stack of cash. She comes in, drops off two coins. But Jesus looks at her two coins and says, she gave more. 
Let's keep reading. It says, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. And here's the principle. Generosity in the kingdom isn't about quantity. It's about sacrifice. And, and why I love that is because we all have the opportunity to be sacrificial with what we have. If generosity was about the amount, then I'm in bad shape for being generosity, being generous, because I don't got it like that. You know what I mean? But the wealthy people in the room, you're the only ones who could be generous. And, and if there's this calling on all of us to be generous, then, it, then generosity needs to be available to all of us. Well, good news, it is. We all have the opportunity to be generous because it's not about what you can give. It's about what are you doing with what you do have, okay? If generosity was about the amount, only some of us would have the opportunity to be generous. But the churches in Macedonia, like this widow, did not have much, but they were generous with what they did have. They didn't let the thought of, I don't have much, I don't have enough, Stop them from demonstrating their generosity. So I'd like to, I think this is really a mindset, this kingdom mindset. I'm going to name it uh, just so it has a sexy name. This is the title of the message. A, a Macedonian mindset. That's what they had. A Macedonian mindset where I'm not limited in my generosity because I tell myself I don't have enough. I got all I need. And I'm going to give from what I do have. And honestly, the truth is, if you're not generous with the little, you probably wouldn't be generous with a lot anyways. Because generosity isn't just an act, it's character, right? So, so there, there's a consistency in our character, and that's, that's a strong challenge to all of us. When you look at what you got right now, what are you doing with what you got right now? Or do we live in this excuse, man, when I get more, then I'll really give. When I, when I get more of this, then I'll really, and it's like, what are we doing right now? Because there's a call on us to be generous as a body, generous as believers right now. We need to develop a Macedonian mindset. Some of us has told ourselves that I can't be generous because I don't have abundance. But the truth of the matter is if you're not generous with little, you probably won't be generous with much. Because generosity isn't about more collection, it's about more character. I thought it was good too. Some of y'all... <laughs> Some of y'all have attended for a year. Come on, I'm coming for y'all. Just grab your seat. Don't, don't look at anyone around you. Some of y'all have attended for a year. You come and eat every week, but you never bring any food. Stop it. Stop. Like we want to reach more people. We want to serve more people. We want the gospel to get out and we'll have more people come. And I love that. I love that this room is full of people. I love that uh, people entrust this church and this ministry so much that you would bring your kids here and you drive them here on Wednesday and you drop them off on Sunday and you'd come sit in here with your spouse and you'd invite your sister and you'd invite your coworkers. But listen, this takes a lot of work. I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad you benefit from it. I'm glad you feel strengthened from it. But listen, it's time to get on board and help out somebody. We need a Macedonian mindset in the church. Some of us, we, or, or sorry, I'm getting lost in my notes because I'm getting fired up. Um, yeah, I, I think I got out of it. I think I lost my spot here. <laughs> 
Some of y'all have attended for a year, still won't serve. And I wonder if sometimes it looks like this, like, well, I, I, don't know my, I don't know my Bible as good as them, or I don't know my Bible as good as Pastor Mark. I'm like, yeah, but you know how to smile and, and help a kid with a toy. You know what I'm saying? You know how to take an order and, and wipe a counter. Shout out, Cafe. Come on. I, 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 you, know, you know how to press a space bar. Production. Come on, Steph, Steph Cliff. Right? <laughs> Ethan. Now, I, I don't want to just insinuate that you're only generous if you sow your time, talent, and treasure at church. Because we know, I, with preachers, it's like, if you're, you're only generous if you serve in the house of God. And, you know, we have this. I understand life is much more than uh, just, just our time here. And so this is about developing. I want you to be generous in our schools. And I want you to be generous at your workplace. And I want you to be generous in Walmart. And I want you to be generous in your home with your spouse and with your kids. So I don't want to get so... Uh, you know, where I have this agenda for more people to serve. But I, but I do know that this is our faith family, though. And I do know that Jesus calls the church his bride. And so the church is close to the heart of God. And when Paul's writing letters, he's writing letters to the church, okay? So there is a calling on the church collectively, and that, that calling collectively is only fulfilled when we answer it individually, right? So we all have a part to play in this thing. Jesus calls the church his bride. The church is committed to kingdom impact. I think Jesus desires that me and that you, we grow roots in the house of God, that we would get uh, uh, planted somewhere and that we would invest our time, talent, and treasure. I think he desires that. I think that brings him delight. So, you know, we need to get to this place where we're not just playing the role of observer and consumer. Jesus has equipped, gifted, and called us to take an active part in the body. And so maybe that's, you can hold a door. Maybe you can pick up a kid. Maybe you can change a diaper. Maybe you can make a coffee. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you can put food in cars. There's lots of places to serve. We just want y'all to get on board and link arms with us as, as we continue carrying this message this gospel message forward. We do that by offering our time and our talents and our treasure. And those things look different for every person, but every contribution is significant, okay? Paul, it was Paul who said in uh, the first letter to the Corinthians, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. I think that's good. Some of y'all will pay all the bills, have very, le very little left over. So you're, you'll convince yourself you can't sow financially into the church. I, I couldn't give to the building project. I couldn't sow into a Christian outreach. And, and that's just not true. We're just unwilling to be sacrificial because we're filled with fear and we're filled with anxiety and we're not living in faith rather than a liberating joy like the churches in Macedonia. They couldn't afford either. They were broke too. They were, they were struggling to meet ends meet too. Yet they found through this abundant joy in the people of God and who God is and the purposes of God, they said, but nothing's going to stop us from taking part in that. Yeah. We're committed to it. We're committed to it. And so they didn't only give, but they gave joyfully. Yeah. So let's jump back into the letter here. 
Uh, verse three. Man, I got 13 verses and I'm only on verse three. Golly. Number three, for I can testify. So this is Paul writing back to uh, the church in Corinth. He says, so I can testify they gave only, gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So I couldn't find out specifically, but I, but I assume that maybe that some of them are like, we'll go to Jerusalem with you and we'll make dinner or something. Like they gave of themselves, not just financially. They, were, they wanted to give everything they can. They're begging. They're begging to take part. They're begging to be a blessing. Verse six, so we have urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in this part, I think there's a nugget in here. Verse seven, since you excel in so many ways, this is grace and truth. This is the hug that Paul's given before the punch, okay? He says, you, you excel in your faith. You have gifted speakers. Your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. He's like, you do great in so many of these areas. You're putting food in almost 250 cars each week. You, you have all these kids back here that, you, that you're loving on. You're, you're doing angel tree for a bunch of families. This is, this is great. You serve people coffee every week. Praise God. You do some good things. Your preacher's terrible. Your worship's great. But he says, but I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. I, I read this and I see Paul celebrate so many characteristics of the church. He's like, y'all believe God can really do anything. You have this expectancy that God is able. Your faith is exemplary. Y'all got some preachers that have my eyes welling up and goosebumps covering my body every time I listen. Your speakers are exemplary. Y'all really carrying, uh, y'all are carrying some powerful revelation in the spirit that the Spirit's revealed to you. You love God's word and you know it well. Your knowledge is exemplary. Y'all always raise both hands during worship. Worship, you clap on beat, you lift your voice, you encourage each other consistently. Your enthusiasm is exemplary. And all that is amazing, Paul is saying. I love that about you, but I just want to make sure that even though that all that exists, yes, but I also just, I have to make sure you're also generous. I want you to be committed in that. I want you, I, I love that you're great at these and you are excelling in these things but I want you to excel in this too. I want you to excel in generosity, which tells me if Paul is inspired by the Holy Spirit writing these letters and it's coming from the heart of God, that tells me that Jesus desires his church to be generous. That's what it tells me. But if we're not generous, we're, we're missing the fullness of our calling and purpose as the church. So verse eight, we'll continue in Paul's letter. I'm not commanding you to do this but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Verse nine, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what this is about, emulating the God that we serve. 
if, if he really has the throne of our heart and his spirit is shaping and molding us to be more and more like him, come on, Jesus is generous. God's demonstrated the greatest act of, of, of generosity this world will ever experience. This is the gospel. You and I have deserved what we did not deserve. He's given us everything for filthy rags, right? That's the gospel. And he says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. That's what he's done. We mentioned this at the beginning of the message, but Jesus coming to earth, Jesus coming to earth and, and, and taking the cross is, is the greatest demonstration of generosity we'll ever experience. The God who sets the boundaries of the seas, the God who created everything, uh, the God that in no way, shape, or form needs me or needs you said, I'm willing to give you what you don't deserve, what you could never earn because my love for you is that great that it's, it, my love for you is so great that it's catalytic to my generosity towards you. And I think that's what the Macedonia church has tapped into. There's just this, this great love for God, this great love for God's people and God's purposes that they're just like, we have to give, we have to be a part of this. So here's my advice. Uh, in verse 10, this is Paul, he's continuing to write. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, uh, last year, you were the first who wanted to give. Remember, I told y'all they were super excited. They were super enthusiastic. And then the year's gone by and it's kind of fizzled out. This is what he's talking about. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. You kicked off this, this ministry project, this missions project. You guys started it. He goes, now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving given proportion to what you have. So he says, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. Okay, this is where it's not about amount. It, it's, about, it's about us being generous with what we do have. It's about the, it's about the heart of, of our generosity, right? Not doing it to be seen, not, not doing it so people think we're generous, but doing it because we actually want to be generous because the God that we serve, love, the God that we uh, are, are slave to, right? Uh, we're slaves of righteousness. The, 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 the spirit that's leading us to be more and more like Jesus is leading us into these things. It's a part of the Christian life. It's a part of the Christian walk. We're generous. We love to give. And there's blessing in giving. And so we're blessed and we give and then, and then we get blessed more and then we give more and then we get blessed more and then we give more and it's this uh, happy circle. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. See again, our, our generosity is removed from the amount. It's about our eagerness. It's about our willingness. God loves a cheerful giver. So verse 13, I'm wrapping this thing up. I guess technically I go to verse 14, but... Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. Pastor Ryan, would you mind to grab this ladder over here? Uh, I want to finish with this illustration really quick. And this room really isn't big enough for this illustration, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, I, so I think my, my challenge to you guys is, is we need to be generous. I want you to be generous, right? We can just set this thing up like right here. This would be good. <clears throat> I 
So just make this practical so, so we can get a hold of it. Too big to be climbing wiggly, wobbly ladders. If I fall, Audrey's going to catch me. Praise God. Appreciate that. But I just, I just wonder if our, uh, the measure of our generosity, just to make this practical, is, is step one is I attend church weekly. I'm here. I come. I take part. Have good conversations with people in, in the lobby. and uh, Yeah, so I'm here. I, I've been faithful to attend. I'm, I'm committed to attending. And like, okay, so you're here. And maybe for you, that, that's a sacrifice, but uh, maybe that's the step you're on. But man, step two, what step two looks like is like, I not only come, but now I'm, um, I give a little into the offering. And uh, sometimes if there's like an outreach or something, I'll help with that. And, and I'll put some of that. Some of y'all are like, you know, you're step two DCers, or we, we got to come up with names for these things. And so we need to evaluate where are we at on this ladder? You know, maybe step three, it's like, okay, I give, you know, I'm not necessarily tithing, but I, but I give money weekly and I've, uh, I filled out a serve sheet. I'm just waiting on somebody to call me. And, and so I come and I love it. And I've been inviting my friends. It's like, okay, there's step three. And then step four is like, man, I'm serving, I'm in kids and, and I'm giving this week. And then you got step five and you guys get the point and it keeps going. And now it's like, I'm up, uh, uh, you know, I, I come, not only do I attend weekly, but I, I'm challenging people come on. I'm just challenging us, you know, our, our generosity, our, our generosity of my jeans are going to rip. My jeans are going to rip. I just look back. Brayden looks more scared than I do back here, man, where it's like the, the, the body I'm committed. I'm committed to being generous in the body, man. I'm sowing. Uh, they're getting my, the, the body, uh, the kingdom, his house is getting the, my first fruits. No, I, 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 there's never a month that I don't tithe. There's never a month that I don't serve. There's never a month that I don't give. There's never a month that I don't exist, people. There's never a month that I'm not in here, hands raised, worshiping Lord, giving him the praise that he's worthy of, loving on the people, checking on my friends around me. I'm committed. I'm committed to generosity. I'm a step 10 DCer. So for us, Puff, you can take this away, man. I appreciate that. For us, where are we at? Where are we at? Are we being generous? Are we doing the bare minimum? And I understand there's a whole lot of other life other than the church. I get it, man. We, we got kids and we got jobs and we got uh, relationships and we, and we travel and there's all this stuff. So, but, but I'm saying, but it's not about the amount. It's about what, what's God calling you to do? And what are you doing with what you do have? Like in this season of life, do you have more free time, but Netflix is getting more of it than the church? Or, you know, remember, Jesus deeply cares about the church. This is, this is his bride. And like so, some of the, the kingdom work that's taking place in here is just significant. It's significant. And, and it takes the hands and it takes the feet. And it's a part of your calling. And it's a part of why he's given you time, talent, and treasure to play a part in the body. And this is the body you're a part of. Amen?